Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week, our guest is former United States Senator and Secretary of Defense, Bill Cohen. Remember, we love taking your questions, so write into politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to Politicon for next week's show. Now, we're going to get to as many as we can, but don't forget to tell us where you're from. And please check out the links to our sponsor, Hold On Bags and Lomi, in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting these sponsors. It really helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, James, our guest is, is, is really one of the foremost experts on national security, foreign affairs, and everything else. Bill Cohen, a three-term Republican senator from Maine, defense secretary under President Clinton, continues to be deeply involved in foreign and national security matters. Mr. Secretary, thanks for being with us. As you look at the Trump indictment and you look at some of the classified documents that he kept and then tried to keep, even without specificity, we know the general topics. How big a concern? Uh, a big concern, uh, Al. Anytime you have uh, information or intelligence that is marked top secret or compartmental, uh, compartmented intelligence, uh, that tells you that uh, any for- disclosure to unauthorized uh, people uh, puts our country uh, in danger. So uh, it's, we entrust these to the highest officials on our government, uh, and the word is trust. To entrust, meaning that um, we trust the person at the top of the chain, the commander-in-chief, to make sure he takes and fulfills his duty, full faith and credit to the Constitution uh, to make sure that that information is protected. So it means that uh, our security uh, can be compromised by adversaries gaining access to information we have collected on our own, either through human intelligence, our spies, so to speak, uh, or through national technical means, which are satellites and other um, remote capabilities. And so there are people who are gathering this information who are in danger. There are men and women wearing our uniform who are in danger if that information is compromised. So anyone who has access to that information must take uh, care, the highest degree of care to make sure that uh, unauthorized eyes don't see the information uh, and the information doesn't fall into the hands uh, of uh, unauthorized people. So it's the most serious we can say. Uh, and uh, that's why there's such that's why this is such a uh, important issue for the country. So some um, Chinese or Russian agent who was somehow in the country and managed to uh, get into Mar-a-Lago, um, that could be really valuable stuff for them, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, Al, uh, think about this. Pre- former President Trump is a target for any intelligence service of any country that wishes to gather information on us. 
Uh, I know that any of us who were in office, when I was in the Senate, I was on the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, Barry Goldwater, when he took over the chairmanship of Armed Services, you know, the conscience of the conservatives asked me to go on the intelligence, the intelligence committee. And I served there for 10 years and half of which I was there as vice chairman with uh, Dave Bourne. And uh, we took great care to protect that information. We, would, we gained access to the highest classifications. And then in going over to the Pentagon, uh, the same uh, rule applied. I would get the PDB in the morning. Uh, as I entered the car, taking me over to the Pentagon, it took about six minutes. Uh, in that car was a briefing book, which uh, I would then be able to read or at least skim uh, for that six minutes getting to the Pentagon. I would leave that briefing book in the car, and there would be an authorized uh, individual to bring it up to my office if I wanted to continue reading anything. But it never left uh, my possession unless it was in the hands uh, of a qualified intelligence official. So um, that's the kind of care that we take. So you mentioned uh, uh, another intelligence service. Recall that there was a young woman who uh, worked her way or wormed her way uh, into the highest, higher circles of the Republican Party through the NRA. She was a gun-toting Russian girl, woman, uh, who managed to get close to the top Republican officials. Now, let's assume that uh, she or someone like her is floating around at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, or you have a janitor or a cleaning individual who is on the, uh, the payroll of the Russians or the Chinese or any other intelligence uh, service. Um, that's how serious this is. The easy access to a target of enormous opportunity for another country. That gets lost. He is a target. Yes. Uh, and he is a very valuable target for those people who wish us ill will. Absolutely. Uh, we know that he's pretty loose with information. We know that the, the very day after he fired Jim Comey from the FBI, who did he have into the White House? He had uh, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian uh, foreign minister, and uh, Ambassador Kislyak, uh, the Russian ambassador. They were in the White House and we know it, they were in the White House because the Russian television camera was in the White House and where and the Americans were excluded. And during that conversation, he apparently uh, gave information to the Russians that put something of a compromise on the Israeli uh, intelligence service uh, just by joking that uh, what he had done by firing Comey and then volunteering information uh, that uh, worried the Israelis uh, that they might have their agent compromised or have to be pulled out of, from wherever he or she gathered the information. Bill, some of the skeptics say, yeah, it was bad. He shouldn't have done it. But, you know, he didn't do anything with it. The, maybe his only intent was to be a big shot. Uh, you know, isn't, is this really uh, that bad? Well, we don't know what he intended to do. First of all, intention uh, is not an issue here. It's not part of the crime. The fact that he intentionally held the information, refused to turn it over, uh, is what constitutes the crime in this particular uh, case. But do we know what he intended to do? Could he have just intended to uh, hold it close and say how important I am? Or could he use it for leverage with another leader? Uh, on whom we had collected sensitive information. Uh, his niece, who perhaps knows him best, um, Mary, uh, said that everything for him is a transaction. So nothing goes without a quid pro quo. 
And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's what we have to be concerned about. Would he use that, for example, in the Middle East in order to get something um, uh, out of uh, the Middle East uh, uh, leaders? They're saying, I have information that. Uh, I don't know this. Uh, we're all speculating. But the point is, he has the information that can be used for good. In this case, the good would be getting it back into the hands of uh, the archives and to the professionals or ill. That means conveying that information either by by word or deed, uh, to have them take a look, as uh, several unauthorized people did, writing a memoir for um, for his um, top advisor. Uh, so we don't know, but it doesn't it, it doesn't matter in the sense for the commission of the crime. It matters in the sense here is a man who was so cavalier about possessing the highest intro, uh, information that we have in the world. Uh, he's so cavalier about it that that sends a signal to our allies who say, well, wait a minute, if he is so loose with all of this information and can jeopardize our assets, maybe if he comes back uh, into, uh, into power, into the White House, maybe we won't be so willing to turn over information as we did in the past because he can put us at jeopardy uh, as well. James. So, so Mr. Secretary, you've obviously no more flag we're probably now retired, but, you know, multitude of, of flag officers throughout. And also, you were an important part of how horrified, uh, without telling us names, but how horrified are the national security at apparatus of the country or the former national security? Because this strikes me is like, this is shit's unbelievable. I, I mean, it's just like stunning. Am, am I missing something? No, you're not missing something. This is one of the most egregious breaches that we could have. Now, they want to you know, throw spaghetti against the wall saying, well, what about Biden? What about Pence? Uh, and what about Hillary? All fair to say, what about them? But the fact is, when information uh, was discovered on either a server or in their files, they immediately turned them over saying, we didn't know we had them, uh, and we're turning it over because we don't want to have possession of this. That's how sensitive it is. He, on the other hand, said, it's mine. All of these boxes belong to me and everything in them, and I can do with them what I want to do. At first, he said, you know, I can declassify it. I, I declassified everything telepathically. Uh, and uh, I had the power to do that. And then he lied about that, of course, because then we found that he knew that he didn't have the power once he was out of office. But in any event, I think most intelligence officials, most of flag officers, they are really concerned that the commander in chief who has the most access to all the information we have would stuff them in his basement or shower or bathroom or wherever with in an area where people had access to. So I think that other countries look at us and say, our trust in you depends upon the people you have in office, what their credibility, uh, capability, honesty, trustworthiness is. And we're entrusting to you the information that our people are putting their lives at risk to collect that we can share with you. So it's people that we have and a process that we have. If our allies feel that the president of the United States, at his whim or any uh, time he wants, can declassify information without going through an established, careful, deliberative process, but simply wave it away and say it's open, uh, it's open information now. 
What does that do to our security? Now, I'll just ponder <laughs> on this one more time. You may recall that uh, uh, SecDef, he doesn't like to be called that, Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis, General Mattis, he was so concerned about an order given by uh, President uh, uh, Trump at the time to get our troops out of Syria. And uh, Jim Mattis, uh, uh, he pleaded with the president, say, well, can, can you give me a little time that I can work this on a transition so we can make an orderly uh, processing of our troops out of there? And by the way, we have allies who are there putting their lives on the line in Syria, and we're not giving them any notice. And he went back to the president and said, please, get, give me a few weeks or a couple of months to have this done in an orderly fashion. And Trump said, nope, do it now. And that was what prompted Jim Mattis. I can't do this anymore. I cannot continue to serve a man who doesn't concern himself with the safety uh, of our soldiers uh, and with the security of the United States. That's just an example of, of how a, a, a Marine, and you know this, doesn't quit. General Mattis never quit. But he could not bring himself to serve a man who had so little concern for the welfare of the people who serve us. So, I'm earlier in, in the show. I'm just aghast at the lack of civic education in the United States. It's people that don't even remotely understand the Constitution. And there are, and if you listen, which I do, because I think it's part of my job, I've listened to right wing press media all day. And there are 35, 40% of people in this country, I guarantee you, that believe that the president can declassify anything that he wants to. Is that true or are there certain highly sensitive things as a sort of process that you have to go through to, to declassify he, things? There's a question as to whether he has the inherent and absolute unqualified power to declassify information. But think about it, if that were the case and there were no procedure, who would entrust the United States with classified information? And so there has to be a process whereby uh, we can go through who will now have access to this information? Is it totally open to the public? So now if he declassified the information that allegedly is in um, the, uh, the hands of uh, the authorities now, if he were to be able to uh, immediately declassify information, we have no idea who would have access to it except the press, uh, the general public, all of the networks, who could then disclose this to our adversaries as well. Right. The notion that you can do this, again, depends on who, who is the commander-in-chief, what are his, his or her qualifications, what is the process, and if you don't have a process, we're all at risk. None of us will be safe without a process of declassification to make sure the most sensitive of information isn't put on the airwaves immediately. But, but I guess my question is: that process in place right now? It is. Okay, so so that that because if if, the, if you want to declassify the name of ten people uh, we have in in Beijing. I don't. I mean, one of the the things that we went through is like the Kennedy assassination. A friend of mine, a federal judge in Minneapolis, 
was commissioned to declassify as much as he could. So they, they, some of the material had like sources of, you know what I mean? You didn't want to have, you know, out spies and all of the other stuff that you would know more about than, than almost anybody in the country. But the idea that that is just an accepted thing on the right, it's accepted on Fox. Look, he can declassify anything that he wants. He's, he, then you hear like literate people saying that. And it, it's got to be the stupidest thing anybody could possibly say. You just can't willy-nilly know how, who you are. Well, one of the process would be to talk to the agencies that are, have collected the information. How did they collect it? Were there human resources involved? Are right. those human resources still on the front lines in Russia or China or Syria or Iran or wherever? And if we have to get them out do we have enough time to get them out before this information is released to the general public? Those issues are what's involved in a process thing. How do we minimize the damage that will be done by the president on his whim simply wants to waive the classification of that information? And so this is not a government. This, right. is, not, this is not good governance. This is reckless, dangerous. And, and fundamental threat to our uh, national security. So, uh, before I turn it on, I'll just make, make a point myself. So, um, I, yeah, I'm cool with this all the time. You know, we're trying to get somebody in China or Russia, to, you know, to, to be an agent and say, look, you know, man, we're going to take good care of you. You know, we'll pay you and it'll be a drop box or something. And I'm saying, well, I don't like my government. I wish we'd be more like the U.S., but shit, I'm not going to do this. If somebody come along and give, give my name and I get my throat cut. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be this whole thing has got to be unbelievably and deeply uh, uh, hurt the United States' ability to to gather intelligence. I just can't believe that what it's not. Is, what is so sad about all of this is the notion that we don't have a United States of America any longer, that we're divided up into red and blue and to hate the other uh, party as such. Uh, I, I can't imagine anything more instruct, destructive. I can't imagine anything more beneficial uh, to Vladimir Putin. I mean, look at the divisions in this country uh, that we now are uh, uh, dividing ourselves. When Barack Obama was president, he was criticized for wearing a tan suit. He was criticized for having a fist bump with his wife. Uh, and the people said, wow, that's so unpresidential. <laughs> How could he wear that color suit? We're getting <laughs> Ronald Reagan wore a, a brilliant brown suit. Nonetheless, here they here we have a president who said, I, I declassified that. Here's a president we had, I want my son-in-law and my daughter to have the highest classification, access the highest classification <laughs> possible. The intel com community said, wait, this is a conflict of interest. I don't care. Give them the classification. So you <laughs> see, when people are acting in that fashion, when you have someone that irresponsible who's your commander in chief and Supposed to represent all of us, the United States of America, and now we're divided up. Well, are you conservative or you liberal? The conservatives again went after Obama for a fist bump. They're not going after President Trump when he's putting our nation at risk. Right, don't forget mustard on the hamburger. <laughs> oh man, they went it, it, unbeknownst to them. Waterburger, which is my favorite chain, it's a, it's, a, it's a, you know almost a Texas. A, cultural icon puts mustard on their hamburgers, but at any rate, but let's not forget the, <laughs> the better criticism for putting mustard on a hamburger. <laughs>
Well, you know, I, I don't want this to be a, a division between conservative or liberal. The conservatives have as much at stake as Americans as the liberals have at stake. And uh, you have Chris Christie, for example. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for the way he has stepped out and said, I supported uh, President Trump. I was there advising him, but he's gone way too far and uh well, take uh, his John Bolton, his national security advisor, a conservative, saying oh. he's done enormous damage uh, to our country uh, with our allies. And I speak to these allies uh, on a regular basis. I can tell you they absolutely fear that you would have him back in office and being as reckless as he was in this and other matters to do it all over again because his, uh, his policy is one of retribution. He wants to clean out every single professional civil servant who now is there. The, remember this, it was the deep state who saved democracy. It was the deep state who prevented the overturning of the election and the assault upon the United States Capitol. It was the deep state and the attorney generals who said, no, we believe in the rule of law and we're not going to sacrifice our commitment to the rule of law for anyone this president or anyone, we will resign first, etc. So it was a deep state and people who have a stake in saying to it that we remain a democracy. And to go back to uh, uh, Frank Benjamin Franklin Ford, we've given you a republic if you can keep it. Well, the question is, can we keep it if we have 60 or 70 million people who say we don't care? There are, no, there are no rules for the president. He is not bound by any rule. He has absolute power under all circumstances uh, with no restrictions and no process or processes uh, to uh, restrain of his power. So we're, we're pretty close to the edge and going from, you know, a, uh, what do we call it, post-truth era? Well, if you're post-truth, uh, you're pre-fascist, according to Tim uh, Snyder, Yale University, who I think has it just about right. Well, thank you. Bill, I can't help but when you mention Chris Christie, I agree with you on that. Uh, but I'm going to take you back to when you were on that Watergate committee. Yeah. You voted to impeach Richard Nixon. When the evidence came in, the Republican leaders <clears throat> rose up. Barry Goldwater and Hugh Scott, John Rhodes, who <clears throat> went to the White House. You're right about Christie. There's a couple other Republicans, Mitt Romney, but not very many. They're really hiding. Uh, they are. Uh, they're hiding out of fear uh, and, in my judgment, cowardice. Uh, they know uh, what has happened here. They know what the president, former president did on uh, January um, um, 11. They know that it is wrong for him to have held this information. Say he made a mistake. Say he didn't understand that he wasn't entitled to it, etc. When the federal officials come to say, turn it over, he claims, I have possession. And this is something in his own mind, um, because he said, I want my generals. I want my uh, attorney general. I want my, uh, uh, my State Department. I want everything was possessory. It belonged to him. And then he would say to uh, uh, the governor of New York, I gave you $3 billion uh, or whatever the number was. You ought to be more grateful. It was as if he was giving his money uh, to the governor or to Puerto Rico or to anyone else. You need to be more grateful and maybe I'll give you more. And that took place during COVID. Uh, and, and so it's a possessory thing that he feels that as president of the United States, it's all his. Everything is his. 
Let me ask one more and then see if James has something to wrap it up. Uh, my fear is he's got a friendly judge down there. He can delay and delay until after the 2024 election. Uh, and that's a danger. Uh, it is. You know, you, you can say maybe she's learned a lesson being so embarrassed by a conservative appellate court. Uh, shamed, if she's capable of shame, to say, wow, I was really out of my league here. I don't know whether she's capable enough. The fact that she was confirmed as a federal judge, uh, that is not dispositive for me. You can have plenty of politically minded judges confirmed uh, by a party that has uh, sufficient numbers. But nonetheless, her demonstration of capability uh, was uh, de minimis uh, in that particular case. So I worry about that. And that's part of the process we're going to have to go through. Uh, will, will she delay it long enough? Uh, that's possible, but she might feel so embarrassed to say, I can't be seen as a tool uh, of the party or the president. I am a, I'm a federal judge. I have a lifetime appointment. appointment. I have to do what is absolutely required under the law. Now, maybe she'll rise up to that. Maybe she uh, will play a game of saying this is way beyond me. I think I'll just delay it and let, uh, let the political process handle, quote, a political problem, not a criminal problem. James, anything you wrap it up? No, just, uh, you, you know, there's an excellent piece by Stephen Gillers, who's a you know professional legal ethicist. I think he's retired from NYU. And the standard for recusal is the appearance. It's a, it's a very, uh, the federal ruse, you know, you have the conflict, you have any kind of appearance. And he says she clearly falls within that. Now, that's just according to Gillers. That's a decision that Jack Smith's going to have to make as to whether he challenges that, and that's going to be a decision for the Eleventh Circuit. But it, it's an interesting piece. I would recommend it to anybody. I will read it with care. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Bill Cohen, you have been the perfect guest, the most knowledgeable guest on this. I can't tell you how much we appreciate Thank you, sir. Uh, you being there. Uh, I wish the news were um, were happier, were better, but these are perilous times, and you have captured it. Yeah, let me, let me say this one thing. It was a bad day uh, for Trump, Mr. Trump, yesterday, but it was a good day for the country, a good day for the American people. It reaffirmed that we are committed to the rule of law and no one stands above it and no one falls below it. And so that's the message that's gone out to the world in addition to the American people. We believe in what we say, and we're gonna hold anybody, including the former president of the United States, accountable for what he has done. Amen. Bill, thank you very much. Hey. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, 
indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. What a week, James. Wow, what a week. I got back from Italy and I'm just, um, I'm exhausted. Almost, and I'm exhilarated. Almost as interesting as the searing indictment of Donald Trump is the reaction of Republicans. It was Carl Sandburg who said, if you don't have the law, you argue the facts. If you don't have the facts, you argue the law. If you don't have either, you pound the table and you yell like hell. Team Trump doesn't have the facts, they don't have the law, so they're pounding the table, yelling like hell, and lying. Jim Jordan said oh, Trump has every right to declassify material. Trump himself in that uh, indictment on tape acknowledged he doesn't. They constantly say, what about Hillary Clinton's emails or Joe Biden's retention of documents? Every fact checker and inquiry has clearly pointed out these are totally different matters. I also, James, a point you've made in the past, but I would note in the case of Joe Biden and the records, Hillary Clinton and the emails and Hunter Biden's current problems, all of the investigations are conducted by Republican prosecutors. Uh, the final one is they say that Joe Biden ordered the Justice Department to take out a rival. There's no evidence whatsoever of presidential interference. Anyone who knows Merrick Garland knows that that's a lie. But, you know, James, this is what you'd expect from Kevin McCarthy, Elise Stefanik, and Ted Cruz. I think maybe more interesting is there are cracks in this Trump wall. Several senators say this is a serious charge. Mitch McConnell is conspicuously quiet. And even some uh, some rivals like Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson say Trump ought to get out. But others like Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pence say this is worrisome. Uh, they don't break with him yet, but they say it's worrisome. And, and James, I have, uh, you know, not to mention, of course, the conservative lawyers uh, like the great uh, Michael Luda, who says it, no prosecutor would would have failed to bring this case. It was so easy to bring. You know, my much-discussed theory, which is most people think I'm dead wrong on, is this stuff is going to start to accumulate and gradually take a real toll on Trump uh, and his voters. Uh, I, I think, you know, this crack, we may be beginning to see the start of that. Well, uh, very well could be right. Uh, uh, you know, the, the question is, is there... His support so calcified that he maintains a, a large enough block. Uh, you, you, you don't know that, but I, I, I think your, your theory has gained more credence since this indictment. Let, 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 but what I want to do is like go through a couple of things here. First, the idea, if, if history is going to criticize Merrick Garland for anything, and it probably will, that he was far too timid. If you remember from the start that Mueller gave him 10 instances of obstruction, which people thought were a pretty strong case, okay, he, he decided not to prosecute it. I, I might have made the same decision myself, but there was certainly more than ample evidence to pursue an obstruction case after he left office. Gordon decided not to do that. In terms of the, the, the records, they did everything they possibly could to nicely get him to comply with the law and return there. And they sent people down from the archives and they sent lawyers. Then they subpoenaed him, they hit him. Again, if, if you were being a fair person, you would say that he went out of his way, literally out of his way, 
to not bring Trump into the criminal justice system. It was only when his hand was literally forced, when everybody at the archives knew, and the, the world was start, starting to know that he had all these documents. He actually they relied on subpoena. He asked his lawyer to lie for him. He had this poor Walt Nutter, is a, you know, talk about collateral damage like like you've never seen. And the, the, the idea, of course, Hillary's emails were subject to multiple investigations, as you point out. Durham said there should have never been even an investigation. All right. I mean, that's how flimsy that non-existent that whole thing was. The U.S. attorney from Delaware was appointed by Trump, was maintained to continue the Hunter Biden investigation. It's still an active investigation of which I'm sure Merrick Garland has not touched or done anything. And currently, as you correctly point out, that President Biden is under investigation by a Republican independent counsel because there are actually no other kind of independent counsels but Republican independent counsels, none of which is ever pointed out, both of which, all, all three, are just obvious facts. And I, I, people should listen not only to to Fox at night, but if you have satellite radio, it's 125, the Patriot Channel. It, 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 you should listen to it because the, the utter nonsense that they preach is, is like it, it's factually, but it, it, it doesn't exist. That's it's all crazy. But James, what it's did crazy. you think? What do you, as you look at the Republican terrain, uh, what do you think of the cracks? I mean, there are, they're not, they're not fishers yet. They're not, you know, um, they're not breaking, but, but, but there are cracks and, and we didn't see cracks before. Also, I would say that he, that number of people who showed up to support him in Miami was, uh, uh, by his standards, infinitesimal. It, 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 it wasn't a lot. And I, I think there's a little bit of a, you know, you look, He's running at 56% in the Republican primaries, roughly. I, I don't know. You can look at the poll at average. But it's not, it's not overly impressive, by the way. Right. DeSantis is at 21. But, but usually an incumbent in his own party would, would, would be, be a little bit high. I would expect to be higher than that. And it, it, it's, it's troubling. And I think that they are. There are some people, I've I, I one of the guys from Kansas, I guess it's Marshall, just hasn't said anything yet. And it's not the people that have sort of come out and say, this is this is troubling. How, ma how many people have just not commented on it? And some aspiring journalists should, should, should do that, but, you know, say with every senator. You know, now some have said it's a, you know, J.D. Vance shit, which, but, but, but the, there are a lot that that that, that are avoiding commenting on this. Yeah, and well, they are. Silences, silences can be very deafening. Well, I watched. You know, actually, you had advised me at one point to do this, and with some trepidation, I watched Fox for three hours on Tuesday night. Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram. You know, it actually was more like a satirical comedy, distraction, diversion, distortion. 
Uh, Ingram, I'm going to pick up on something you said earlier. She was in an uproar about they never prosecuted Hillary Clinton for emails or what her campaign did. And then she'd talk about the Durham investigation that was designed to clear Trump. And actually, it was a dud. It didn't do anything, except it did state, as you noted, that Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign did nothing that was prosecutable. James, somehow Laura didn't quite make that connection. They'd bring on second or third rate lawyers, people you never heard of, who didn't understand or misinterpret misinterpreted the law, professing Trump's total innocence. And your guy, J.D. Vance, who once people thought might be a serious person before he tied his future to all things Trump. He said he was he was going after the Department of Justice and it had nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. It was about the rule of law. I, I hope that someone like Judge Ludig can find some extra time, maybe, and give the Ohio senator a little tutorial on the rule of law, because obviously it escapes him. And, and then, but James, here's where it got funny. They went and they spent, I swear, 15, 20 minutes talking about Sandy Berger. Remember Sandy Berger? He was yeah. a really good national security advisor to Bill Clinton, who made a foolish mistake one time, and he smuggled out a couple documents from the National Archives. He pled guilty. Uh, uh, he paid a fine. It was dumb. It was stupid. But to compare saying what Sandy Berger did 20 years ago to Donald Trump, you, you know, it's kind of like comparing petty shoplifting to violent homicide. And I, I just would say uh, this is, I mean, Fox is still interesting to watch. And, and from the old Dominion case, we know what these Fox News people really think about Trump. They really have contempt for him, but their ratings are slipping and they are, they are desperate. And so they have to go gung ho. I, I think it's falling pretty flat. Well, but I do too. And, and, you know, people are, are, you know, and it's Chris Christie said, and I suspect that he's right. We do have an invitation for him to appear on a show anytime. I, I hope he responds in the affirmative at some point. I do too. But he, he says, and he, he was a former prosecutor, famously put Jared Kushner's daddy very appropriately in a penitentiary. It, this, we know a third. So if I'm sitting there and in, in, I'm a Republican senator, not J.D. Vance, and I'm saying, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't get out there too fast. Because if, if, this, if this is a third of what's coming out, Jesus, holy moly. What do you think they got left? And there's a, 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 a fentanyl tool piece in the New York Review of Books, and there's a, a John Shake piece of, in New York Magazine that, that, you know, go into a little bit what was the motive. And we still don't know. He doesn't charge that he he to be bad. The, 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 what we know now, he's not been charged with trying to sell it or something. But we don't know everything either, and I think that's got people really, really shook up. Uh, and the other thing is, he doesn't have a lawyer yet. He can't find. This is the most high-profile criminal case. Here's a guy that you know maybe I'm sure he inflates his wealth. But he certainly could pay a lawyer, you know, anything they did, and no one will touch it. Part of that maybe he doesn't pay him. But no, you're right. But but any any decent lawyer, but hey, I don't know, you know, to take it, they, he's got to put ten million dollars in escrow. 
They're right. not going to take it. They, no, I, I, I'm not touching this thing. Right, right, right. He, right. he keeps convicting himself. He was out there. Somebody told me this morning talking about he could keep anything he wanted. Well, they have him on tape saying that he could, he can't. Yeah. But he, yeah. I think he said it recently again. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and no one is it's going to hit him. And he, they will find a real lawyer. All right. They, they, they just will. It's just the nature of it. And they're going to say, you're in profound legal jeopardy. You got to understand that. And you have to understand, you can't talk about this with anybody. You can't say, he can't do that. He can't do that. And his life is going to be so, I don't know if it's hit him yet, just how much legal jeopardy he's in. I really don't. But boy, it's going to hit him. I can tell you that. Yeah, and I don't think any lawyer is going to succeed because he's Trump and, uh, you know, you can't, uh, he can't control himself, much less can anyone else control him. You know, it's an interesting question about motive, and you're right, we don't know. Uh, If history is any guide, and it's a very, very consistent uh, uh, guide, there's money involved. Everything Trump does uh, involves money of some sort. And the other point I'd make is, remember, we had a guest on two and a half years ago, Shane Harris, uh, the Washington Post, who, as this is before any of this stuff was known, said as Trump was leaving office, the intelligence community was was really, really petrified that he would be a security risk, that he would tell other people uh, secrets that they didn't, that they worried about him, him uh revealing. He'd actually done some of that as president. So, you know, we don't know motive yet, but I don't think it was just, I don't think he just wanted some play toys. Yeah. It's nothing in his history that would tell you that that he didn't want this because he wanted some financial leverage. But but again, uh, we're pretty sure we don't know everything. And you know, we know as much of the story as the government chooses to tell us right now. Right. And I think more information is going to be forthcoming. I think Mr. Nutter is his Mr. Nutter's nuts in a vice right now. And I'm sure that he's got a lawyer and the lawyer is explaining to him precisely and exactly what he's facing and what if, if, if he decides that he wants to be a patriot, what, what are the potential rewards for it, which would be multitudinous, let me tell you. Uh, the pressure on him is just unimaginable. Yeah, it sure so, is. And, and they're not, they're not going to let up. From what I saw uh, from watching Fox, uh, he was not back. He did not go back to Bedminster. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe he's down in Florida looking for uh, a lawyer. I, I suspect he's already got one. Yeah. Uh, and anybody, he just asked the lawyer front and said, you shut the fuck up. You don't go anywhere around him. You don't do nothing. Well, I thought in a wonderful pairing, Trump received advice from a, um, you know, I, I would call him a, a soul brother of sorts, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson said, you know, you just have to be quiet. And um, it's right. I don't think Trump will follow it. That's the most basic legal advice that, that any any potential defendant gets from the, the worst lawyer in the world said, so just don't say nothing, man. Just shut up. As Edward Brandon Williams famously said, for the people that come in here is generally what they did after 
what they charge, what that gets them in more trouble than what they actually did. And yeah. that's exactly what he was saying. Well, that's the pattern with him. Okay, yeah. this will be this is gonna be around for a while. We're gonna have lots of shows on this. Now, shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Yeah. All right, James, now for our outrage of this week. You know, anyone who is an American citizen and meets the age and other eligibilities is free to run for president. You know, sometimes the more the merrier. But for some third-tier contenders, you know, it may be a chance to increase their speaking fees. Others, knowing they have no chance, want to advance ideas. I recall 50 years ago during a New Hampshire debate, a community activist named Ned Cole held up a rat. Actually, it was a rubber rat to showcase the conditions of poverty. Now, I wasn't sure until this week, what was the goal of the Republican presidential seeker, Vivek Ramaswamy, biotech entrepreneur who has filed for the nomination? Now we know. Claiming he had read the indictment, I'd love to give him a few questions on it, of Trump, he vowed if elected president, he would pardon Donald Trump. I mean, that's, there hadn't even been a trial yet. We don't know what the defense is, but he's going to pardon him even beforehand. I guess that also assumes that he thinks he's guilty. You're going to be a judge guilty. Uh, he also said that the White House had a heavy hand in the prosecution. No, they really didn't. That was made up and it was sleazy. He called on other candidates before the case is tried to make a similar pledge or, quote, publicly explain why you will not, end quote. If accepting a pardon is an admission of guilt, I guess Mr. Ramaswamy is saying he's guilty, but I'm going to pardon him. So now we know what his absurd campaign, James, is all about. It's a con game, but it makes me long for that rubber rat. <laughs> so this is what we're 330 million plus people in this country, and people say stupid things all the time. When I was a young boy, I, I, I got angry at somebody because they were a fool, and, and my dad told me the most liberating thing in my whole life. He said, son, living in Louisiana and getting mad at fools is like getting mad at grass. And I thought about it, and not only do I, I, I suffer fools gleefully, I actually find fools to be entertaining. And it's, it's pretty hard when you know as many fools as I know that something just is a towering redwood that stands so tall and so magnificent, you just got to stand back in awe and go, oh, oh my, my God. God, here we go. Here we go. So 
Kevin McCarthy, who we all know is a fool, but we just didn't know how a creative a fool he is. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, people. I'm not lying to you. Okay. Just wherever you are, sit down and take a yeah. deep breath. Yeah, you got to get this one. You got to get this one. He said he wasn't troubled by the documents because they were in a bathroom and you lock a bathroom door. Okay. Now think about that. For a second. If there's one door you don't lock, going in is a goddamn bathroom. <laughs> All right? You might lock it once you're in there, but there's not much of a, you know, I don't, not much of value in a bathroom, I, I can assure you. And the, it, it, when you stop and you, I, I read it <laughs> and I said, oh, wait a minute, this son of a bitch didn't say this. And I went to four different sources and he actually said that. I don't know of a single person that locks their bathroom. You know, you're leaving your from house. Outside. Outside. <laughs> but yeah, from the outside. It's not great. It, it, it's not like you don't want to prevent people from getting in there, particularly yourself. All right? And, you know, <laughs> you got to go, man. Particularly our age. You, you, it, it, it comes quickly and swift. I just couldn't. I, I had to go. And it was like you would watch these old kind of 50s or 60s comedy TV shows. And it was always this kind of delayed reaction. You know, I actually had one of those, like, delayed rack. Wait a minute. This is not what he said, is it? Yeah, it's actually what he said. And and this is the, the fences that we're down to. I'm glad it was in the bathroom because you locked the bathroom door. What? <laughs> I mean. Oh, my Kevin. You can't. My I mean, Kevin. <laughs> oh, man, this is the Mount Everest of fooldom here. Man. Unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, well, okay. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you got competition. James, now for our weekly segment entitled Screw the Voter, uh, efforts to make uh, voting more difficult uh, in the land of the free. Uh, Now, if you have any doubt, you have any doubt about the insidious impact of Donald Trump's lies that there was massive voting fraud in 2020. Total lie, it just didn't happen. But I want you to look at this month's report by the Brennan Center called Voting Laws Roundup June 2023. Ever since 2020, Republicans around the country have moved to try to restrict voting rights. In 2021, 14 states passed 22 laws making it harder to vote, chiefly aimed at minority and younger voters. Had nothing to do with fraud. This year, 11 states have enacted 13 restrictive laws. Same purpose. To be sure, as the Brennan Center reports, there are a bunch of states, almost all run by Democrats, that have expanded some voting rights this year. Well, that's good. That's the history of America and the franchise, extending, expanding rights for women and then blacks and younger voters. Now, unless you don't want some people to vote because you don't like the way they vote, that's what America voting really is all about. And also some states, Ohio, Arkansas, and North Dakota, again, I'm citing Brennan, are trying to gut citizens' initiatives, making it harder to cast votes on referendums or initiatives because they fear that their citizens may vote for abortion rights or rig gerrymandering. So please, everyone out there, go to the Brennan Center site and get Voting Rights Roundup 2023. Uh, and you'll see what some people are trying to do to what I think is the most precious right we have out of voting. So if you think about 
you know, and I'm sure Brennan Senate has something on this. If you think about voting in the United States, sorry, when the original Constitution was ratified, you, you, you could only vote if you were male and you could only vote if you were a property owner. Right. All right. That, I mean, it, it, it's a, not, we started out not so much intended to be a kind of semi-democracy, if you will. But then, of course, we expanded the voting rights through the Reconstruction Amendments uh, to include blacks. Of course, we had up. Don't, don't get me started on all of the things we had that suppressed the right of blacks to vote that are still going on today. Then we passed the suffrage amendment, right? In, in, in the 60s, uh, there's a famous Supreme Court case called Cipriani versus the city of Homer, which Homer is a town that in South Louisiana that unfortunately has a, a pretty, pretty bleak future because of coastal erosion, that said that it used to be you could only vote in property tax elections, so if you wanted to increase the millage for the sewage or the school board or, or streets, you could only vote if you had property. The Supreme Court obviously correctly said no. People that don't have, own property have a have a, a stated interest in this because they pay it through rent and all other stuff. So you could not limit the voting on millage increases on property to, to strictly property owners, which was the case in, in our lifetime, right? And what we've had in, in sort of the history of the country until recently has kind of been about expanding voter rights, a motor right. voter, when you sign up for your, your driver's license, or, you know, or, uh, your license plate, you get to register. And, and the whole idea that we're a democracy and everybody should participate in our elections is just under the worst assault you can. Uh, Cleta Mitchell, the right-wing lawyer, famously was outraged that college kids could vote. She said they just get out of bed and go vote. Well, yeah. Isn't that – that's an outrage to them. And let me tell you, this is such more profoundly serious than even you can imagine. This the, the, the anti-constitutional feelings within the right wing and the Trumpites is unbelievable. I mean, if you look at what January 6th was, that was just an effort to, cir- to circumvent the Constitution. What, what Trump ordered Mike Pence to do was to circumvent the Constitution. They don't like the Constitution. And, and I'll give you one more example. Maybe you haven't heard of this. I urge our listeners to look up COS, Conventions of the States. You say, James, what's that? There's a provision in the Constitution that if two-thirds of the state legislatures call for a constitutional convention, then you have to have the convention. You say, well, that's kind of far-fetched, God damn it. Well, you, you need 34. They have 19 already. This is a well-funded operation. And let me tell you what's at the core of the Convention of States. And that it is to severely restrict voting rights. Now, am I being a, 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 a yelling fire in a crowded theater? Nah, I don't think. I think this is something that, that our listeners should explore because we don't know about it. And they are doing this at Koch Brothers, Rick Santorum. It, 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 they have 
huge financial support for this. They don't like the freaking Constitution. And I'll tell you what, I put a lot of this th- th- is opposed to banning these freaking books. I spoke to the Shenandoah County Democrats and I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be a Republican when some Democrat wants to burn books in, this, in the Virginia legislature, right. but I'm not too worried. We got to expand civic education in this country. All right. And everybody, you know, in our generation, civics teacher was the football coach. Now, actually, my, my, mine was. He was pretty. We, we had to know every article in the ninth grade, in every amendment. You know, we just had a one sentence of, you know, article one is the Congress, two is the president, three is the judiciary, et cetera, et cetera. But, it, it, but you had to have a, like a one or two sentence explanation for what they are. We, we have, you know, we talk about the need for STEM education, which is great. And we talk about the need for vocational education, which is great. But man, if we don't start teaching people freaking civics, we're going to lose the fucking country. I'm just telling you, it's crazy. It's so much more insidious and so much more dangerous than you think. And just look up convention of the states. And that's how bad it's been. 19 are ready to go. You have another 2010 or, 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 or some godforsaken event and a, a, a depression and a terrorist act, and, and bingo, that constitution is gone. Hell, they, they're more than half the way there right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you know, it sounds ridiculous to say that. This, the the, 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 in this, the the next election is at its core going to be an election about whether we, we have a constitution or not. Now, I know that's not a kitchen table issue. I know that's not a water cooler issue. I know people are more concerned about the, the, the price of gas or, or, or something like that. But let me tell you, if this is what is at stake. It's literally the governing document of the United States. And I ain't exaggerating in the least. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I said earlier that the right to vote was the most precious right. <clears throat> it certainly is. It's one of the most precious rights along with our freedoms, <clears throat> our, our freedom of press, freedom of religion. Uh, but uh, a constitutional convention, James, would be a – one thing I can say with some certainty among those right-wingers who are clamoring for this, I don't think there's any James Madison uh, or Alexander Hamilton uh, out there. I, you know, I really don't. And this could be this could be dangerous. So you, 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 you all keep an eye on that. You okay? would, it would produce a theocracy. I'm just telling you, this is what yeah. the, this, this is what they, they well, this is what they're looking for. And people are, are not. And, and it sounds so ridiculous. And it's like, oh, these goddamn liberals, y'all always sitting there, you know, saying this stuff. And you, no, no, and and that's that's just the way. That this shit happens. If we were told at the beginning of this century that there were going to be profound efforts to restrict voting rights, we just said, "Well, no, everybody got a right to vote." Come on, man. That's that's, that's what the United States is. But you know, we Jesus Christ, man. And, and, and you know, let's start. You know, demanding that we have civics education because somehow or another, you know, sometime ago we stopped educating people in civics. We really yeah. did. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. 
but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And now for our listener questions. Always they are great. I want to have one addendum to our um, our chit-chat, James, and that is that uh, there's a story out there that the uh, federal cases have precedence over state and local cases. Uh, so therefore, Mar-a-Lago or anything in Washington would go before uh, Manhattan or Fulton County. Wrote Andrew Weissman, who we think is one of the great lawyers in America, and he said, that's just bunk. It's not true. Uh, cases go when they go. And uh, as of now, Manhattan scheduled to go first, and it would be uh, and be in March. So we'll see. We're going to start, Jane. This is what, James, James, we're going to do a little bit of boasting today, okay? Okay, I, go ahead. I'm for it. I'm for it. I want to show our global audience, all right? So our first three questions. Larry in Paris, France. No, it's not, not going. It's not it's Paris, September. Texas. It's not right. Paris, Kentucky. This is Paris, France. And Larry's <clears throat> once he said he, he's setting up a separate email account to give money to people I want to help. And he says, and I think he wants your advice. I'm considering sending money to Chris Christie. I read somewhere Republicans were going to require they have 40,000 individual donors to get on the debate. You know, is this a good for me? Christie can play a role uh, in the Republican debate. Is this a good investment for me? He, he sure could do worse. I, I, I mean, he's not going to let up. I mean, I can tell you, I know that guy. Yeah, and you know, I, I can't tell you that he has much much of a chance to win, but he is going to keep, and he's effective, and he's a you know he's a like he's experienced. I mean, he was elected governor of New Jersey twice. I mean, he's he's not an inconsequential figure, and this guy is is he's he's a man he's he's a person on a mission. I, I promise you that, and you know, Trump gave him COVID. And he almost died. He was a bully. He told me, and he said he was very public about it. He was seven days in intensive care, and his wife came by to like tell him goodbye. And Trump called him and didn't inquire about his health or anything, just said, be sure that you don't tell anybody that I gave it to you. That That is the quality of, you, as if you needed me to tell you that Donald Trump is one sorry fucking human being, but Take my word for it. He's one sorry human being. So the, my answer is you could do worse, but whatever you do, don't send it to no labels. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> send it to, I, I don't be I'm being right on. Yeah. Just don't send it there. But I, you know, I've gone to Paris. I had a, a, a female friend of mine who had, had a boyfriend and said, well, he didn't like Paris. I said, let me ask you something. How, how could you sleep with someone that doesn't like Paris? How could you be in the same room with someone that goddamn stupid? Well, James, like, I, I, said, love, I don't like the Godfather. Paris is great, but having just gotten back from Italy, I'll still take Italy. 
Anyway, I like them all. That's a good debate. Our yeah, next question yeah, okay. is from Doug. Uh, Doug Doug is a um, he's a twofer. He's in Spain and Ukraine. So we oh, move wow. from France to Spain, Ukraine. Doug says, why is the establishment media so archaic, slow, and seemingly gullible compared to newer social media news sources? Well, Doug, first of all, it's hard to generalize on what the established media is and what the newer social media are. But one answer to that is because the good established media have to check. They have to verify. They have to make sure things are right. They sometimes are slower uh, than they sometimes seem archaic because sometimes this stuff isn't easy to check out. And uh, I know there are some good social media sites, but there are a lot of them that just put out whatever they have. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. And uh, I I glance at them, but I still rely on whether you call it the establishment media types or sites or not, but also the Atlantic and uh, others that I enjoy reading. But uh, I think a lot of it has to do with what their um, what their mandate is and how they accept their responsibility. Yeah, I, I'm... You know, yeah, I, I, there's certain sources that I I, 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 I I tend to trust more than others. Uh, and the, the thing that the thing that a lot of people find attractive about social media sites and this stuff is it it allows them to confirm what they already think, and that's a, a, a real, real, real danger. And I, exactly. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, but you, you're going to have to come to your own conclusions. I mean, I have places that, whose whose judgment I tend to trust more. Other, but look, they all make massive errors. I, I mean, massive errors. I, I, I mean, if you look, if you know, we're going to get into all of the other stuff that that Carmen Pocket, but look at the WMD story in the New York Times. I mean, you, you talk about an error on a, a scale that is literally unimaginable. That would be it. And there have been some 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 huge misfires, but on the whole, I, I will still have a, 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 a I still trust these sites. I would say somewhat trust, yep. but I, I don't anything I see that that's unverified is just out there. I don't even pay any attention to it. And in fact, you know, please listen to one twenty five on Sirius because <laughs> you'll be stunned at what's going on out there. Stunned. Okay, we're going to move from Europe to this continent. Randy in Guadalajara, Mexico. Oh, wow. That's, that's, is, that's a great place, by the this way. This is a tough one, James. Right. He says, what do you think will be the impact if Joe Manchin runs third party? Randy's guess is he'll pull more votes away from Trump rather than cannibalize Biden Democratic votes. But what do you think, James? You know, I, 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 I respect all of the people that write in. I, I generally agree with most of them. Uh, on this one, I, I don't agree. But, you know, I, I don't know. And, and, and I can tell you what, I hear from multiple sources, this is not a, an impossibility that he does run under some brand, and I think this will take more votes away from uh, if assume Biden is the candidate, I think it'll take more that votes away from him. One of the interesting things I, I thought about this morning to ask you, just a little bit off subject, you know, CNN is having these town halls with Chris Christie and Nikki Haley and Mike Pence, I think. When are they going to do one with Robert, Bobby Kennedy Jr.? 
who's way ahead of any of them. And, and well, he's James, like 20%. you're jumping the gun for a minute because that's going to be our very next question. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. Uh, and I, by the way, I agree with you on Joe Manchin's impact. I really do. Yeah. Uh, and that leads us to BJ in Tallahassee, Florida, who oh. said, what in the world is Robert Kennedy Jr. doing? Is there any way he can actually be a contender? The Washington Post is reporting some strong polling. He is a zealot. He really, I'm convinced he believes this stuff. It's crazy. Uh, and, and he's a person, and once you get him off these crazy conspiracy theories, which he's broadened now, uh, he, he was a very serious environmental lawyer. I've known him a little bit. Uh, I've got some good friends in the family. They're really embarrassed by it. But I think because he is the alternative to Joe Biden that most Democrats don't want to run, he he's at seventeen twenty now. I think in some of the early primary states, you know, he may be – 10, 15, 20 points higher than that. And James, going back to what you said a minute ago, if CNN's going to do town halls with all these people, some point they got to do Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I, I don't see how they avoid it. I mean, I really don't. Yeah. It, it, of course, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it was McCarthy, when he, he got 42% in New Hampshire in March of, of 1968, ran, ran, and no one knew very much about McCarthy. You know, he, he always gave you the impression if he would have been president, he'd gone off on a corner and read a book or something, all right? But it, it, it's not so much about him. And, you know, maybe his kind of quirky views to certain amount of people would have some traction. He'd be dangerous in South Carolina because there's a, a good deal of explainable uh vaccine hesitancy among blacks. One other thing I'll point out is that... Also, James, the Kennedy name is still magic among older blacks. One of the positive things, I guess it's positive things about Louisiana, we don't have a lot, but one of the real positive things is is that our vaccination rate among... We're the only state that has a higher black vaccination rate than white. Wow, that's impressive. And a lot of that is the dean of public health at Tulane is a very... It sounds racist to say, but is, is a very highly respected black guy who was very active in promoting education. There's been a big kind of failure of communications here, but we were the only state in the country that had higher black vaccination rates than white. And I think that is something to be kind of proud of. I, I, I would be very proud of that. Good for Louisiana. Sue, and now that we've come home to America for our questions for a while, Sue in Seattle, Washington, she thinks that Joe Biden's 100% capable of the presidency for another four years, but seems no one in the White House communication shop or campaign professionals to figure out how to amplify his strengths. They turn him into a laughing stock. Clearly, he doesn't perform well when given a script. He's more convincing when speaking freely. Is this crowd around Biden ever going to understand his strengths? I mean, James, assess that. Well, you know, first of all, you're exactly right. One of the, 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 the stunning things that he has done is he has literally turned manufacturing around in the United States. And, and you could go and see the number of people, and I, I would not be surprised if, if in some of our conversations that, you know, maybe manufacturing is just something uh, that we're not going to be able to do very well or can't compete. There's been an explosion in manufacturing as a result of the investments that President Biden put there. That's in addition to having the lowest unemployment rate in 50-something years. Uh, that's in, in addition to, you know, a significant drop in inflation, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, people, the problem is 
people, I, I think, you know, I hope that people have just decided that he's too old. And I, I go back and say this, we're a democracy court in a poll and we've been doing it for a long, long time. And I would dare say that we're pretty good at it. Did a, a, a trial heat, Biden v. Trump. And then we read off all of Biden's accounts and all of them, you know, the, the top five. And having heard this would be your vote. We got one point. One point where you had somebody, you sit there and says, this is the lowest unemployment rate, greatest percentage of people without health insurance, explosion, manufacturing jobs, blah, 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 blah. So I, 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 I don't think that they have been particularly good at it. I have been critical in the past of their communications effort. I don't know how much it would actually help. Yeah, I, James, I, I agree. And they say that he's not done performing well when given a script, so why not have him speak more freely? <laughs> I'll tell you, people around him cringe sometimes when he speaks more freely. Right. <laughs> the problem, just... I'm, I'm afraid, Sue, the problem is deeper than that. Jim, this is a, next question is good. Jim in Babcock Ranch, Florida. Florida. Babcock Ranch, Florida, says after the American Civil War, the leaders of the South, despite slavery and treason, were generally treated with compassion. Uh, still, our country then endured Jim Crow and slavery light, and even today, the echoes of the lost cause resonate. With the prospects for justice potentially at hand, should we treat Donald Trump with compassion as Lincoln and Grant, or as Grant did with the Confederate General Lee? Or does that story demand we destroy Trump and Trumpism? You know, that's a really good question, Jim, and you have a really good historical reference. We've talked about this, and my view is if Trump is uh, uh, found guilty, and I suspect he will be, and we're in 2025 with a Democratic president, I would consider, if I were advising Biden, whoever is in the White House, to uh, give him a commutation of going to jail only under three conditions. Number one, he admit total guilt. Not just, I'm sorry, I'm guilty. I did it. Yes, I did it. Number two, he pay a huge fine. I mean, I'm not talking 10 or 20 million, but a huge fine uh, that will leave him a much poorer man. Uh, and number three, uh, he uh, agreed to some kind of political conditions. This is all voluntary. Uh, not only did he not run for office, because, of course, he's not going to again, but that he uh, but that he not peddle these lies he's peddled for so long. Under those conditions, I would consider uh, a commutation. But, you know, those 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 have never been met. No, and I, 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 I'm be much higher than that. My, my fine would be 80 percent of his entire net worth. I agree. Subject subject to an independent audit. Including Mar-a-Lago. Everything. And also, you'd have to work out something with the authorities in New York and Manhattan and Atlanta. But all of that, and don't think it's impossible that it doesn't come to this. Right? Don't think that he's not going to be sat down and said, we're not going to be able to defend this case, sir. We just right. we just don't have a, our defenses are, are, are really limited, and we should open negotiation. And don't think that that was not a, if I'm President Biden or I'm the next president that's something I'd have to listen to. It'd have to be very draconian, very anything. But but it, it's the, 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 he, he's in he's in really profound. In deep right. legal jeopardy. I'm no not question. Hard, hard to imagine. Now, going back to the 
Civil War question. Well, at first, it was tried to sort of treated with compassion, and then till the 1872, when the South got everything, you know, it in was a 76. contested election. It was 76. I'm sorry, 76. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was 76. Uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. They got everything. And Jim Crow. And, and it, it, the evidence of that is, I think most military historians would say certainly top three, and it'd probably get maybe a third of the votes for top Confederate general was James Longstreet. Of course, which there are no monuments to James Longstreet. Except at Gettysburg. At Gettysburg, yeah, at Gettysburg, I guess. But other than that, there none in the South right, because right. he became a Republican. Was actually, his, his second wife died in Metairie in 1952. Yeah. You know, so uh, it was... Compassion from 1865 to 1876, but <laughs> all right, James. Here's a question: Who's the second most famous person uh, <clears throat> that went to James Madison's, or excuse me, James Longstreet's high school? Uh, beats me. Judy C. Woodruff. Oh wow! Great. Okay. Right, huh? uh-huh. <laughs> I told her you're never going to be the most famous person. Um, who who went there? But anyway, um, you know you who know. was at Lee's side at Appomattox, don't you? Which was James, James Longstreet. J- yes. Oh, he was his most Carlton trusted, Wars, yeah. his most trusted aide. But you know, they, right. the lost cause uh, said he was right. a traitor. <laughs> but in any event, our final question is Michael in East Brunswick, uh, New Jersey. Uh, and Michael says, when Dukakis and Kerry lack responses to Willie Horton and Swift boat ads, they lost. Now the Republican strategy is weaponizing the weaponization of Biden's Justice Department, phony charges about bribes. Um, What is a Democratic answer? How should they approach this? How tough should they get? How do they not make the same mistakes that Dukakis and Kerry made, James? Well, I go back to... Well, the city is if if the fall of justice under Biden could anybody can be criticized. So let's, let's just start that. If 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 the real critique of them is they've been far too timid. They 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 left and maybe for good reason. Ten documented instances of obstruction of justice that Trump created. That according to Robert Mueller, that he preserved a record for future prosecutions if they so decided. It, it, when, when Trump was not president, that the Justice Department prohibited him from indicting Trump because he was president. Our friend Walter Dellinger is maybe the, one of the most knowledgeable legal experts I've ever known anywhere. Most other people wrote a piece in Washington Post saying, you don't understand what's in here. This is devastating stuff. Garland to, you know, history will have to say, but, but maybe understandably decide to let that go. They literally were forced to indict him in Mar-a-Lago. They did everything they could not to. Weaponization of what? And, and how weaponized was the FBI against Hillary Clinton? When Comey, in violation of everything, stood there 10 days before the election saying he's going to reopen the investigation, who said, well, there's nothing criminal here but, but this was a, a it was nothing. Understand? You talk about weaponization of the Department of Justice. What about freaking Ken Kenneth S. Starr? I, I, I mean, I mean, you want to talk about weaponization? I mean, think about all of that. 
Well, I agree with you, but you got to take them on. You just have to take well, them yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I really think the question is right. That oftentimes, uh, whether it's Dukakis or whether it's John Kerry, their assumption was this is all bullshit, so we don't really have to answer. That's – you said that. The worst thing when somebody says that, oh, no one's going to believe that. Really? Right. Shit, 40% of the people in this country believe in, don't believe in evolution. They'll believe anything. Right. Okay. That's the best advice we can give you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville, and I'm Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. Following this episode, we'd appreciate it if you check out the links to our sponsors, Hold On Bags and Lomi, in the show notes. We thank you for supporting them because when you do, it helps make this podcast happen. To keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our War Room planning. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.